0: Hey, we are, uh, we're in our second week of a series called uh, Scandalous, in which we're just kind of unpacking together uh, some of the juiciest uh, stories in Scripture, uh, probably in all likelihood for many of us, stories that you didn't even have any idea were in the Bible, Had you'd never heard them before, probably never heard a message on them before. And uh, we just said, you know, we think that's a mistake because you get that God didn't uh, blow it when he put these stories in. There was a reason for these stories getting into Scripture, and when you and I kind of uh, sanitize the Bible, when you and I kind of say, look, that, that, that's just not a polite story, and they aren't, quite frankly. You and I missed some incredible lessons that God was intending to teach uh, to you and I. And so we just said, look, we're just going to go where a lot of people haven't gone. We're going to talk about what a lot of people haven't talked about, and we're just going to take the most scandalous stories in Scripture and say, what was it that God was teaching, doing, dealing with in our lives? Which means this is a great moment for me to remind you that if you're here and you have a youngin in the service, it's your call, uh, you can decide Uh, But here's what I will tell you, you will probably have a lot fewer questions on your ride home Uh, if they were to go and explore the children's ministry today, then uh, you will if they stay uh, in this room with us for this scandalous conversation. The call is yours, it's up to you, mom and dad, but if you want to, you can take them over, let them be part of children's ministry uh, today. So here's the deal, here's what we're going to tackle a little bit together. Chances are, every one of us in this room has had the experience of having to deal with a lousy leader, Uh, somebody who somehow managed to be an authority over us, somehow managed to have a position above us, and you and I were just left to go, who in the world was working human resources that day? I mean, what were they thinking when they hired that person and not me? Uh, Some of us grew up in homes where we went, wow, uh, I really got the short end of the stick uh, when it came to parents. And uh, you may be right, you may have uh, had parents that were super challenge in your life and nothing compared uh, to what the neighbor kids had. Chances are, every one of us has had that moment where the person who was above us was unfair, that you and I could outthink them and could see with such clarity what needed to happen next that they couldn't even understand. And in that moment, you and I instinctually had this desire to say, how do I get rid of my leader? How do I, how do I get out from an underneath this clod and, and, and be able to make some decent decisions in my own life? And what we're going to discover today is that there's a chance that a lot of the struggles that you and I have had in life, a lot of the reasons that, that you and I have spent our lives feeling like we did two steps forward and then three steps back could be out of the response that you and I have to leadership in our lives, even bad leadership. And so we're just going to unpack that together today and just see what God would say. And it will challenge us. It will push us in ways. But here, here's what I'm just going to ask you to consider. Is it possible? Is it possible that this, this is why I've spent so much of my time, feel like I was beating my head against the wall. Is it possible that this is why so many of my plans have ended up in disaster, that my response to leadership in my life has been a bad response, an inappropriate response. So here we go. We're going to jump into scandalous story number two. It's in Second Samuel. So if you're not well familiar with your Bible, if you go to the front and then work to the right, you're going to find uh, this book of Second Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 15. Now, here's the deal. If you were here last week, you've already got a little bit of a head start. So, let, let me see if I can catch the rest of us up. Uh, we're going to tackle uh, David's son, Absalom, who was actually a part of our story uh, last week. And here's the deal. Absalom is next in line to be king. He is David's eldest son. And if you were here last week, uh, you heard that uh, Absalom is, has deeply frustrated with his dad and his dad's leadership because Absalom's brother, Amnon, raped Absalom's sister, Tamar. And David, in, in, as he headed to go confront his son, pauses. He turns around because David's got some guilt in his own life. He's got a skeleton in his own closet, and he, and he never addresses the sin of his son, and so Absalom takes matters in his own hand. Absalom says, okay, dad, if, if you can't do it, then I'll do it for you. And uh, he ends up inviting his brother to a banquet. He there has his friends kill uh, his brother. And Absalom would simply say in this moment, Look, uh, I just simply did what what my dad was incapable of doing, what my dad apparently didn't understand what he was supposed to do. He didn't get the leadership moment in his life. So I simply stepped in and recovered the moment uh, for my dad. Matter of fact, uh, because he does that, he has now spent the next three years in exile. He's a fugitive. So picture the moment. The guy who's supposed to be the next king of Israel is a fugitive, And this, this has got Absalom just beside himself because he's going, "Look, I only did what my leader, what my dad should have done, and now I'm the fugitive. My potential to be king is apparently uh, in jeopardy," and he is furious. And and matter of fact, what Absalom would say is, "Look, this is uh, this is a long history uh, with my uh, father. My father did the whole Bathsheba, killed her husband." Uriah thing. Now he's done this whole thing where my brother raped my sister, and he's not handled that. And then, now I'm in exile. And he is absolutely angry and frustrated in the leadership of his father, in the leadership of David. And so, he begins to scheme. He begins to get a plot that says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, if, if my leader is that bad, I'm going to get rid of the leader. I'm just going to cast my leader aside, and then I'm going to lead my own life. At least, at least if I'm going to make bad decisions, I'll make them for myself. And he plots a scheme. So, that's where we join. it, 2 Samuel chapter 15, and this is Absalom's plot to win the hearts of Israel away from his father David to himself. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. Here's the story. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. So every time Absalom goes through town, he just wants to let everybody know, hey, a big, a big guy, an important guy is coming through town, so he rides his chariot. He's got 50 armed men who go with him. It's kind of a miniature uh, parade. Uh, he would get up early in the morning, and he would stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, hey, uh, what town are you from? And the person would answer, "Uh, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, look, uh, your claim is valid and proper, but there's no representative of the king to hear your complaint. And Absalom would add, "If, if only I were appointed judge in the land, Then everyone who had a complaint or case would come to me and I would see that they received justice. Now, get get the plan. In this culture, in this time, if you were in a lawsuit or if you were in a dispute, you know, this guy's taking some of my land or we did a business deal together and uh, he's not being fair, you would go to the king or to the king's representative and they would decide that for you. That was the court system of the day. Absalom, knowing this, goes and positions himself just outside the city. And meets people as they're coming to the king to say, look, here's, here's my case. Here's what's going on. And he says to them, well, you know, hey, wait a minute, before you go in, tell me about your case. And they would tell him, you know, this guy kind of swindled me or, you know, it was an unfair business deal. And Absalom would say to every one of them, no matter what their case looked like, dude, you're so right. I mean, wow, <laughs> that's so wrong. and so. If, if, if I were judge, I would, I would side with you 100. Matter of fact, I might even give you a bonus if I were a judge. But unfortunately, your case is never gonna get heard because there's nobody in the palace. The king thinks he's too busy for common people and, and, and he hasn't appointed any representatives, which, by the way, was a lie. So you're never gonna get justice. Now, if I were king, <laughs> I would listen and you'd have justice. And the hearts of the people of Israel begin to leave David and begin to side with Absalom. Now, here's the deal. You, you and I would probably say to Absalom, look, look dude, they, you're lying. I mean, it's pretty inappropriate, and, and, and it's not the way to get things done. And, and here's what Absalom would, in all likelihood, say back to you. You go, yeah, I get it. I get my methodology. not the greatest methodology. But here's the deal. My dad, King David... Completely unqualified to lead. I mean, I mean, guys, come on. I mean, this is pretty odd. The whole Bathsheba. He, he's so he's an adulterer and a murderer. He then turns around and his own son rapes his sister, and David does nothing. Dad's incompetent to address his own children. And then look, and he's left me in exile for three years. And and the reality is, I simply did what was right. I did. I did what he should have done. And I end up being the fugitive. I end up being the person non-gratis in the kingdom. So it is so obvious that dad is unqualified to lead this. The consistency of bad decisions on his part, and 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 my methodology may not be great, but the best thing that could happen in Israel is David not to be king and me to be king. That's his answer. Which is a big deal because you and i have felt the same way you you and i have had moments in our lives that we've just said how in the world is this person the boss of me how, how is it possible that someone who cannot understand this moment can't see what needs to be done next even though it's right in front of their face how, how can a person who so consistently makes bad decisions be the boss of me this is crazy And our natural inclination is exactly the inclination of Absalom. Get rid of the leader. Throw them aside. They're, They're clearly unqualified to lead. Here's what Absalom misses. Here's what we miss. It's not about the qualifications. Now, guys, don't get me wrong. I mean... You and I all want to be led by someone who makes good decisions and someone who is qualified and someone who consistently sees what needs to be seen and does what needs to be done. We all want to. You get that bonus. See, the answer is David is king because God made David king. And the answer is, ready for this? And here's what Absalom needed to hear. Absalom, he's your dad. And just by virtue of being your dad, mistakes and all, all of it, he is still, ready? He is still in the position of being your dad, which means there's just a certain amount of respect and obedience that he gets because he's dad. Absalom, he's your king he's your king which which means Absalom there's there's just there's a certain amount of reverence there's a certain amount of honor that he gets for being king see here's what Absalom doesn't get David is flawed we know that right you and I have heard enough of the life of this guy adulterer murderer he's flawed David will end up leading the hearts of Israel back to God because, ready for this, amidst all the flaws, amidst all the stumbles that David has made and is going to make, amidst all the mistakes and all the leadership flaws of David's life, he's got one compelling attribute. Scripture says this of David. He was a man after God's heart. And in the midst, in the midst of bad decisions, God was always able to get him back on track. And here's what God knew. David is going to lead Israel's heart back to me. You see, David was following a guy who was disastrous, a guy by the name of Saul. And Israel had become incredibly complacent in their walk with God, and God, God knew that even in watching David's mistakes, that Israel was gonna end up coming back and having a heart for God. And here's, here's what God knew, ready? Because God knew the beginning and the end. David is the perfect guy to be king, despite his mistakes, despite his flaws. It's what Absalom doesn't understand. Absalom would say to you and me today, I would be a much better king than my dad. He doesn't, get you ready, positional authority. David is king, you ready, because God has placed him in the position of king. Positional authority. And there's a certain amount of respect or a certain amount of honor just because he holds the position. Let me see if I can help. Men, Positional authority is why, if you're worth a grain of salt in your home, and you come walking into the kitchen, and your kids are nipping at your wife, which of course your kids haven't done, but mine did, in that moment, in that moment, it doesn't matter whether your wife is right or wrong about eating candy before the meal. It doesn't matter if she's right or wrong about playing with the neighbor kid. It doesn't matter. You want to know what the correct response in that moment is? You will not talk to your mother that way. Three women clapped. The men are going, What? It's positional authority. Because here's the deal, guys, there's more at stake than whether or not she is right about candy before a meal. The thing that's at stake is, is that kid understanding, she's your mom. And as your mom, she holds a God-given position that demands, it just demands, a certain level of respect, a certain level of honor. It's why, guys, When you got pulled over on your way to church today, and the police officer came walking up with his reflective glasses and his boots, and an attitude, and he was wrong. You were only three miles over the speed limit. He was wrong. He deserved some respect. Not because he was right, Maybe, maybe, you know, we all agree, you he's a police officer. Positional authority. Positional authority. And guys, can I just say this out loud, mom and dad? You don't teach this to your kids. Wait till they're 16. Wait, Wait till they're too big to put over your knee. Wait till time out is just a chuckle. See, you want, you want your 16-year-old daughter on that date saying, I ain't going to do that because my daddy said don't do that. Positional authority. Okay? It's a big deal. It's a big deal for you and me. Because isn't the truth that in the moments that you and I have been under lousy leadership, in the moments when we go, how in the world did you end up being the boss of me and... and isn't it true that you're in my hearts have wanted to throw off that leadership? To just say, look, I, you're clearly unqualified, you clearly don't understand how to make good decisions, and I have judged and found you wanting as a leader. Isn't it true that there's just a little bit of Absalom in all of us? It's interesting uh, Absalom pulls it off. Uh, he is so successful at turning the hearts of Israel against David, he calls a convention, a secret convention in which he says, okay, everybody that's with me, let's all get together, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, t- we'll, take, a, we'll take a head count and figure out where we're at. And when everybody, it's more than he ever imagined. I mean, there are scores of, there's even huge people in, in positions of leadership in Israel, they're at his convention. And all of a sudden, to his surprise, he goes, we could do this. We could march on the palace. We could take the place over. We could throw out the bum. And so he does. He marches on his father's palace. And David, hearing that they're coming, adds up on his fingers real quick and says, The day's lost. And David flees the palace. Some of you didn't know that, dude, that, that David was actually deposed as king by his own son. And I'm sure, I'm sure there was a moment when Absalom is setting up court and he's moving his furniture into the palace and he has to be saying to himself, clearly God was on my side. Clear, clearly, clearly, uh, to the victor go the spoils. This the Methodology may not have been great, but wow, we won the day and Israel is going to be so much better under my leadership. Here's what Absalom missed. You ready? God always, always, always works through my leader. And that when I cast off my leader, when I, when I just say, look, no, 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 out with the bum, I run the risk of casting off God's leadership in my life. Let me help. How many of you know what this is? No, that's a serious question. If, if you were born and raised in Arizona, this is a hard answer. <laughs> it's, it's a great picture of how God uses authority. Because here's, here's what God would say to you and me. I have placed over you authority. And if you stay under authority, this is where I bless you. Th- this is where I will teach you and form you. This is where I will move your life where it needs to be. And when you and I say, I don't like my authority, no. My authority is not competent. My authority consistently makes the wrong decision. I don't agree with anything my authority is doing. Our natural inclination is to step out from under. Now, you may be working somewhere and your supervisor is really lousy. And look, you do. You have the right, and I'm not saying it's wrong. You may have the, you, it may be a good decision to say, I'm just going to go work somewhere else. It's okay. I'm simply saying this. Before that become your first decision, one of the questions I think you've got to ask is say, look, in the midst of my leader not being a great leader, is it possible that God is still teaching me things? If nothing else, ready for this? What not to do? How not to behave? How not to lead? That if I were ever given that role or responsibility within the company, I would know how to do this differently. See, here's, here's the thing you want to say to Absalom. Absalom, you're going to be king. You're, you're the firstborn. You're king next. Just, just hang in there. Watch your dad through mistakes, and don't commit adultery. Don't do the things that he did. Be a better leader. Maybe, 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 ready? Maybe his failures are your lessons, and maybe God is teaching you right now with your father. But when you and I do this, all of a sudden, you and I get out from under the protection. We get out from under the blessing of God. And all of a sudden, you and I are in our lives going, what in the world? How come, whoa, how come everything's going wrong? How come when I make decisions, they turn out Bad. How, how come it just feels like I'm constantly under discipline? Why, 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 how in the world am I getting abused? I mean, what's going on? You're out from under. Think about it. If, if it was raining and you saw someone walking down the street like this, you'd go, You're an idiot. How many of us live our lives like this? How many of us say, no, 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 God, I don't like the authority you placed in my life. I don't like the leader you placed in my life. And how many of us pull an Absalom? And the guy's doing it wrong. I'm not telling you your parents were great. I'm not telling you that your boss is right. I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying. And what if? What if that leader in your life, with all their problems, all their shortcomings, all their, is exactly who God wanted in leadership, then to rebel against them would be like rebelling against him. Some of you guys know I, uh, I was a youth pastor for a whole bunch of years, and, and I, I can't tell you how many young people I would counsel. And it, there'd be young men that would come into me and they'd go, Lynn, my, my parents are just dumb. My mom, my mom is like so cautious, I've got to like wash my hands seven times before I can eat. You know, my, my dad, he's just so stubborn, he never listens to anything I say, he never hears anything. I cannot wait, you ready? I can't wait till I'm 18, because then I can just throw off all that dumb authority in my life and I'm just be free of it all. And, you know, I'd sit there and think and say, okay, well, you know, there's some reality there, but, you know, there's also the reality of apartment payment and insurance and all that. So, you know, I'd say to these young men, you know, what's the plan? You know, when you get 18, when you, you know, what's the plan? You want to know what the vast majority of 18-year-old men, young men throwing off authority would say to me the plan was? I'm joining the military. Okay, that's a plan. Oh boy. I'd have young girls, they'd come to me, and, 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 and you ready? They were dating the guy. They were dating the guy, their mom said, Don't ever date him. He will mess your life up, all he's interested in. And they were dating him. And the more mom complained, the more they loved him. And they were violating Scripture all over the place. I mean, you know, that's what you do. And now it came time to get married. Hey, anybody want to guess? Just, just, uh, let me, anybody want to guess what type of husband that guy makes? The guy who says he's smarter than the Bible and doesn't mind thumbing his nose at your parents, and everybody else is wrong, and he's smarter than. anyone want to guess what type of husband he makes? Kind of like the military. <laughs> and see, here, here's the deal, guys, here's what you've got to get. This is is such an important issue to God that you and I understand that he blesses us through authority, he works through us through authority, he talks to us through authority, even flawed authority, that when you and I throw it off, when you and I go, no, when you and I play the Absalom, God doesn't go, oh, well, oh, well. You know what God does? bigger authority. He'll he'll bring authority into life that'll feel more unfair than anything you've ever felt before. He'll bring authority that has more control and more power than you've ever experienced before. Why? Because the issue of authority is such a big deal to the heart of God. And you know, truth be told, there's some people in this room who say, Lynn, I, I threw that one off too. See, I, I, I beat God at his own game, and, and I've, I've positioned my life, I don't work for anybody because nobody's smart enough for me. And, and I, I'm the boss of me, and I've just made sure that nobody can say anything to me. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because if you've spent a lifetime casting off authority in your life, you're in trouble. Because God's ready. Because God always works through authority. And if you've cast off all authority in your life. Take take a look at Absalom's first decision. He's cementing his leadership. He's going to set a new tone for the kingdom of Israel. This is where we're going. Follow me. First decision is king. He finally got the lousy leader out of the way, and he's going to lead in a new day. You ready? First decision, new course, better leader. 2 Samuel, chapter 16, verse 20. Absalom said Ahithophel. Now here's the deal. Ahithophel was David's counselor. Matter of fact, Ahithophel was like number two in David's kingdom as far as advice. And Ahithophel realized that David was losing power, he was getting deposed, that Absalom was going to be the next king, and so Ahithophel has jumped ship. Ahithophel said, look, I know where the power is, now he's switched to Absalom's side. Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give me your advice. What should I do? First decision, move forward, cement my kingdom now that I've got the power. Ahithophel answered, sleep with your father's cucumber vines. I mean concubines. (laughs) Sleep with your father's concubines, whom he left to take care of the palace. Then all of Israel will hear that you have made yourself obnoxious to your father, and the hands of everyone with you will be made resolute. So they pitched a tent, get this, they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof of the palace. And he slept with his father's concubines in the sight of all of Israel. First decision is king. First decision when I get rid of authority. Now in those days, the advice of Ahithophel Gave was like that of one who inquires of God. That was how both David and Absalom regarded all of Ahithophel's advice. Now, so get the moment. Ahithophel, up until this point, has been so wise, has, has given such great counsel that time he opens his mouth, David and Absalom have looked and said, it's almost as if God was speaking. It's almost like he's speaking scripture to us. His advice is amazing. How is it possible then? Let me just ask: How is it possible that his first bit of advice now to Absalom in this moment is so disastrous? I mean, think, think about this a minute. My leadership was lousy. I'm going to throw my leadership off. It's going to be a new day. We're going to we're going to do better. Think about we're going to do better than Dad. And the first advice I get is take your father's concubines, sleep with them in front of all of Israel so that everybody gets the abomination you're doing. Do it publicly. How is it possible that his advice is that bad? Can I offer a suggestion? Who was Ahithophel's king? David. And in that moment, Ahithophel says, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. To follow David is going to cost me something, and I'm on the losing team right now, and I think I'll just switch teams. And he steps out from under the leader God had gave him. Isn't, Isn't it interesting, think about this, that both Absalom... Who just threw off David? Ahithophel. Who just threw off David? And their first decision is absolutely disastrous. Now, guys, there's a lesson here for us, because here's what you need to know: There's going to be moments in your and my life that you and I are going to be hearing Scripture, and you and I are going to go, "That's that's a that's that's a horrible verse." Whenever God wrote that verse, I mean, he surely didn't know what it was going to be like to work at Intel. When God wrote that verse, he had no idea what my wife could be like. And you know what? You and I are going to be tempted to go, so therefore, Scripture doesn't apply to me in this circumstance. See, it's the teenager that says, no, 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 no. (laughs) My My dad thinks like it's the 50s. And he was born after that. And in that moment that you and I throw off God-given leadership and authority in our lives, you and I, ready, are then left to make our best plans. You and I are then left to do whatever seems reasonable and prudent and right to our own hearts and our own minds. Because here's the deal. You realize that if you stay under God's authority, there's going to be some moments that it's going to sound pretty weird. There's moments the Bible's going to say, love your enemy and if you don't get that the Bible is an authority in your life and to be answered to, even when it doesn't make sense, you'll say, no. You get that there's going to be moments that your pastor's going to say something and you're going to go, shh, I ain't listening. You I walked past him in the lobby. He didn't even say hi. And that in that moment, you and I will be left to our best devices to decide what's right. And here's the problem. You and I don't know the beginning from the end. And so, you and I don't know what's gonna happen in the stock market in six months. But it was such a good plan at the time. Reverse rate mortgage, adjustable arm. And guys, I'm just telling you, you and I will make disastrous decisions because we left our own device. Here's what, here's what you and I have got to come to understand. My leaders may be flawed. They may be. They may, you, you may be just like Absalom and be able to say, look, I can tell you four reasons. But here's what you need to know. Your boss at work is a tool. No. Well, maybe they are. They're a tool. Ready? In the hands of God. And you and I have got to be careful that we don't spend so much time getting frustrated at the tool that we forget who holds it. And here's what you need to know. Your God and my God is bigger than, smarter than, stronger than your supervisor. See, here, here's, what I would say to, here's what I would say to every teenager in the room. I would say, look, look, I get it. I get it. I, I get that your mom is out of touch. I get it. I get that your dad is stubborn. I get it. I get it. And truth is, you're right. I mean, I mean, but here's what I would say to that teenager. Who holds your mom and dad? Who placed your mom and dad in your life? Who are the hands on the tool? And is it possible that God is going to use your mom and use your dad to teach you things, to carve away in your life things that you would never learn without the tool? And if I would say that to your kids, then I have to say that to you, don't I? And that supervisor at work, and that husband who's tough. Don't forget the hands. I was talking to Aaron in the back room after uh, for service, and I said, you know, this is, this is so huge for me because i got to be honest, I am desperately af- this is This is a struggle in my life. I am so desperately afraid that God would bring a leader in my life who would make dumb decisions and cause me to fail and not be able to do what I was supposed to do. And I've, I've wrestled with this all my life. And ironically, in the midst of wrestling with, with the idea that God would place a bad leader... If I go back and look at my 17 years in youth ministry, almost every pastor, so remember, I'm a youth pastor, so there's a senior pastor in church, almost every senior pastor I had was harsh. Some of them, some of them were just unkind. Some of them were unfair. And if I were to tell you the story, you'd say, Lynn, I can't believe that a man of God could treat somebody the way you were treated. You know why God did that? Why God let me live under unfair, harsh leadership in the church? Because when I went into ministry, I wasn't going to be a senior pastor. See, when I went into ministry, I said, I'm not going to do it. senior pastors all wear polyester. <laughs> and they've all got slicked back hair. And you can't be cool and be a senior pastor point taken. And and I just said, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a youth pastor all my life because you can be cool and be a youth pastor. But God knew the beginning from the end, and He knew that one day He would place me here, and that my best preparation was living under leaders, even leaders who struggled and who were at times unfair and in moments were harsh, if nothing else. You ready? To learn what not to do when this became my job. And is it possible that your God and my God is bigger than the tool and knows the beginning from the end and is it possible that the leader you have is exactly the leader you need? And that the most desperately destructive thing you could do would be to get out? This thing ends disastrously. It just goes as south as it can possibly go. David mounts a counterattack to go back and take the palace. What I didn't tell you is that Absalom has this like Fabio hair. And uh, so in the counterattack, his men are losing the position and uh, Absalom riding his mule goes into the woods to try to get lost so they can't see him. The problem being that as he goes underneath the branch of a tree, Fabio hair gets caught in the tree. Mule keeps going. Absalom is hanging in the tree. Joab, one of David's generals, comes upon Absalom, takes three javelins, and thrusts them into the heart of Absalom. He dies. Think about this the guy who was going to be king. The, The guy who, if he just could have sat tight, learned from his dad, stayed under authority, was going to be king. he couldn't tolerate it. He had to get rid of the authority now, and he couldn't respect the authority now, and he had to throw it off now. Loses any chance to turn the kingdom around to be better than his father, because he couldn't wait. He couldn't live under the authority. Now, guys, look, look, if you don't get anything else today, get this moment. Was God in control? Could God have made it so that Absalom got a haircut? Could God have made it so that Joab never found him? That he didn't die? I mean, if God had wanted Absalom to be king, so then I have to come to the conclusion that says, no, 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 God, God said, Absalom, I can't have you be king. This is going to end with you dead. Now, once you get there, then all of a sudden this becomes an interesting conversation. Think about this. Here's David, flawed David, there's a part of me that wants to say to Absalom, Absalom, you are absolutely right. David is everything you say he is, and he's not everything you say he's not. He, you're right. And yet God says, I can work with that guy. Here's Absalom. That by all rights, I mean, what, what has he really done that was wrong? He did what his father wouldn't do, and you're right, it wasn't his thing to do it, and he, but, but he still, he, he just did what his father wouldn't do. And then he got to a point of frustration with his dad and his poor leadership, and he says, Then I'm just going to run you out of town. Dead. Okay, so that was. But if you add those up, are those things any worse than David? And yet God says to Absalom, I can't afford you to be king. What's the difference? You ready? David, amidst all of his flaws, all of his weakness, All of his stumbling understands authority. And God says, Look, even when you fall, David, even when you stumble, even when you make the worst mistakes of your life, because you know that I'm God and you're not, I can get you back on course. And I can work with that. Absalom, you don't understand authority. And I promise you there's going to be a moment as king that I, as God, am going to say, here's what we need to do next, and you're going to say to me, no. God, it doesn't make sense. I don't like your answer. You're not competent to lead me. And God says, I can't work with that. Which means simply this you and i will never get where we're supposed to go you and i will never learn what we're supposed to learn we will never get called to do what we were supposed to do as long as we wrestle with god-given authority cuz god can't work with that it's about our heads And here's what I'm just going to ask you to do real quickly. How are you doing? How are you doing? Have you cast off all the leaders in your life who didn't measure up to your standard? Because you could outthink them and because you could outsmart them and because you could make better decisions than them. You're in trouble. You will never hear. You will never learn you will never get where God needs you to get. And the most powerful thing that some of us could do today is simply say, God, I will let you speak to me, teach me and move me through my leaders. I'll get back under authority. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we simply come before you this morning. We just ask God, help us, because truth be told, there's a little bit of Absalom in all of our hearts. There, there's a part of me that just says, my, my leader doesn't understand, and my leader is making bad decisions, and I, I'm just terrified. I don't, I don't want to be under the leadership of someone like that. And we are so tempted, we are so drawn to cast off leaders, even the leaders you placed in our lives. And God, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for all the Absalons in the room. That before we throw the king out, we would bow the knee. And we would just say, look, I, I don't think I agree. And I, I'm pretty sure I would never make that same decision. But I believe you're just a tool in the hand of my God. And therefore, I'll let him teach me what he needs to teach me through you and take me where he needs to take me through you. But I will not, I will not step out from under God-given authority in my life. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.